What's up, good people? It's your boy DJ the Park Boy. We in here. Welcome to a new episode of Blind Life in My Eyes. This is episode two. That's right, episode two. We're coming to you with my opinions on things that's going on. And you know, when I'm right, I love to be right. I do. I'm not going to lie. I do love to be right. And the moment where I proved I was right was in the instance right here where I told you guys on last episode I thought the Bucks were going to pull it off because I thought Giannis was the best player on the court. And when you have the best player on the court, you have the advantage in basketball. This is not as much as a team sport. It's a team sport. You need role players around you. But when you have the best guy on the court, you have some advantages that nobody else can compete with. And in the fourth quarter, when you have those good role players like Chris Middleton step up and get clutch and start knocking down baskets, I think he had what uh like ten of the last uh ten baskets in a row to help break down that lead and put them back in the game because they took way more shots than uh Phoenix did. Uh but like I thought was going to happen, I thought the Bucks were going to pull it out. Uh, if we look at the box score, you see Devin Booker had 42. That's good. It's good, but what the baskets did when they needed it, no, because they let the lead go away in the second half. They had it. The game was this. Uh, as we can see, we have 40 points by Chris Middleton. We have 26 from Giannis. Uh, Brick Lopez added in 14. Drew Holiday, he plays really great defense. You see he had a, a, a plus eight right there. Really good work out there, even though he only uh, contributed 13 points. That means while he's on the floor, he's still doing everything else necessary and needed for his team to win. That's good right there. The Bucks tied the series 2-2. Uh, if Giannis gets this, he's going to put himself in really great conversations. It will really change the outcome of where his career is going to go. And the first three games, he put the Bucks on his back. And people not realizing that knee injury has probably held him back some. And we see how dominant he's been possibly being held back. You know? I thought the Bucks were going to do it. Right now, they're looking good doing it. And I told you guys, you know what I'm saying? When I'm right, I'm right. And I like to be right. I still think the Bucks are going to pull this out. But it is also looking like the first team who wins one on the road because nobody's lost at home. It's going to be the team who really sets the tone. So if the Bucks can go in there and win on the road in game five, I would call it a series. I'm just saying. I'm just saying, you know, and while we're talking about sports, you know, we started off with basketball. We're going to get back into some basketball stuff, you know. We're going to get into some other stuff besides sports as well, but this is just what we are because I told y'all the Bucks were going to win. So, it was a news report that came out about Dwayne Haskins being uh, injured by his wife. I'm going to go up here to the ESPN article so we can see. And on the article, it says the wife 
of Dwayne Haskins faces a a domestic violence charge stemming from an alleged assault involving the Pittsburgh Steelers quarterback that occurred in the Las Vegas hotel room earlier this month. Calabria Calabria, Gonrizic Haskins faces a felony charge of battery and domestic violence resulting in bodily harm stemming from the alleged altercation on July 3rd at the Cosmopolitan. I've been there. It's a really nice place. I'm actually going to be in Vegas in like three weeks. I can't wait for my vacation. Vegas is fun, and I will be having a lot of fun out in Vegas. Trust me. Uh, But Mrs. Haskins is accused of punching Dwayne in the mouth, according to the police uh, report obtained by ESPN. Haskins, 24, reportedly had a split upper lip and a missing tooth suffered and other injuries to his mouth that would require dental work and repair to his teeth. Now from some other things that I've heard that uh, apparently she was mad that he went out with, uh, he went to the club without her. They newly engaged. I guess they were supposed to go party together. She went to a show. He decided to go to Dreads without her, and one thing led to another, and I guess she packs a mean right or left hook. Uh, domestic violence is nothing to be joked about, uh, man or woman, because I know a lot of people get their jokes off. They're like, oh, he's a man. He's a football player. He could take in hit in the face. He could take in hit. Domestic violence is domestic violence, because if the roles were reversed, he would be getting killed. He would be getting dragged through the mud. He would be off his team right now. And the fact that he makes more off the field stories and headlines than he does on the field already puts him in a precarious position in his job. Because football is about performance. If you're going to perform, you're going to get away with some stuff. But if you don't perform, it's a short lease. There's always been bad actors in football. People will do plenty of bad actions and everybody sweeps it under the rug because they're making money from a person's performance on the field. So the NFL is okay with some BS going on, like with Josh Brown. He had, what, like 24-something calls to his house for uh, domestic violence and things like that as such to his house. And he was on the New York Giants for a long time. I mean, hell, Ray Rice, who was on the Baltimore Ravens, I'm a fan of the Baltimore Ravens, he even was going to get a second leash on life after the allegations came out. But then the video dropped, and the video changed everybody's perspective on what Ray Rice did because in the video, he steps over his wife after he hits her. It's It's a bad imagery. And when people can see things and visualize what takes place, it usually helps the case and show the case of the domestic violence situations. But... Either way it goes, everybody should keep their hands to themselves. If you can't have a civilized conversation, you need to learn there are other options than, you know, picking up that domestic violence charge, getting that assault charge. And this isn't going to help his career because he's in the news again for off-the-field incidents versus on-the-field incidents. So that's something that can hurt him. It's going to slow down the production on his career in my opinion, you know, but that's just me. Uh, next thing we have up here is Richard Sherman. I love me some Richard Sherman. He's always been, 
usually on the right side of things when it comes to stories and what he does. His his character's been damn near flawless when it comes to his perception. He's one of the uh, union leaders for the NFL, but apparently he was arrested for uh, burglary and domestic violence. So that is not a good look for Rich. I'm going to read the story to you. It says, Richard Sherman was intoxicated and threatened to kill himself during a confrontation with family members before his arrest early Wednesday in the Seattle suburb. According to a 911 caller who identified the free agent cornerback's wife. Identified herself as the free agent's cornerback wife. I, I don't know if you guys heard the call or not, but in the call, she goes out of her way to make sure they try their best not to hurt her husband. Which I greatly appreciate. She lets him know that he's not really a danger. He's in a bad place right now, but she needs some help. Make sure you know, don't come out guns blazing. He's Richard Sherman. He's my husband. He has no weapons. She made sure to make that known in the 911 call to uh, police. Uh, the caller described Sherman as a drunken belligerent. She said he was threatening to kill himself. Uh, the caller who, uh, the caller who identified herself at one point as Ashley Sherman also said Sherman was being aggressive and wrestled with her uncle and sent texts to people saying he was going to try and hang himself. Richard Sherman is one of those NFL players who have, you can't tell the story of the NFL probably in the last 10 or so years without mentioning Richard Sherman because his impact's been that big on the game. He's been one of the better cornerbacks. In my belief, he's going to end up in a Hall of Fame. I mean, you know, things get tricky, but I think he's a Hall of Fame caliber cornerback. At least resume-wise, I think he can get there. Uh, Legion of Boom days were really big. His impact on that was really big. His impact on the union has been really big. His story where he came from to what he's became is a great story. And those things are things we can't forget about when it comes to talking about Richard Sherman. Uh, it's a scary situation anytime, you know, it's domestic violence, people threatening to hurt themselves. Uh, 911 has to be called in those situations. It can be really, 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 really scary situations for people. So I'm looking at it from the aspect of I really hope Richard Sherman can get the help that he needs. I don't know what led to that situation. I don't know how it got escalated to get to that situation, but I really, really hope he gets the help that he needs. And now with this situation taking place and the fact he was a free agent, he should maybe sit out a while, get everything in order before he decides he wants to come out there and ball. He has to get his life in order first. My personally, that's what I believe. Because that's a crazy situation. Uh, us over here at Lime, uh, Next Up Network, we're going to wish the best for Richard Sherman in that situation. Uh, I know more details are going to come out. They recently released a video showing him trying to break into the door. And people had the jokes about, oh, you know, the door was sturdy. It, they said he could survive a tackle from a, a all-pro cornerback. But... Also in that situation, everybody should make sure they wish him some uh, positive thoughts because this looks to be out of his character. So obviously something had to lead up to that. I don't know what it is. 
but hopefully there's reasons and we can find solutions without him ruining what could be his post NFL career because he's done a lot of good things. Legion of Boom was a dominant faction within the NFL. And while we're speaking on the NFL, I can't glance over this story that uh, came across to me because I thought it was amazing. Uh, one of my favorite players to watch it is the biggest, one of the biggest love-hate relationships because I love when he wins. I also hate when he wins because that means my team ain't winning. But that's Tom Brady. They're reporting that last year. Oh, let me click on the article for you guys so you can see it up here. Because I'm right here on ESPN. You know. And it states. uh, Tom Brady played the entire season with a torn MCL. The GOAT. The GOAT. Like, what else can you say? That boy is amazing torn MCL and yet he was still out there on the field giving you everything he got wow okay let me read the story because you know I don't want to seem like I'm being a Brady stand like I said it's a love hate relationship but boy I love watching Tom Brady play because nobody can match his leadership he galvanizes the troops you know what I'm saying uh Tampa Bay Buccaneers quarterback Tom Brady Played the entirety of last season with a torn medial collateral ligament in his left knee. According to a report by the Tampa Bay Times. You can't make this up. Brady is just ridiculous. He's 43 years old playing on the injured knee. Looking like a possible MVP candidate. And this is his first year in Tampa Bay. He gets injured and still goes on and wins a Super Bowl. Uh, The more you hear about Tom Brady leaving New England, Bill Belichick, I understand you wanted to get your point across, but when you know you got something like this, you don't let it go. You know what I'm saying? You don't let Tom Brady go. This is he's 43 and still winning Super Bowls. On torn uh muscles in his knee. The boy is good. The boy is really good. Like <laughs> what else goat? I don't know what else to say besides goat. That's goat talk right there. Goat status, goat everything. Uh that I don't believe there'll ever be another player, another quarterback comparable to Tom Brady. Everybody's saying Patrick Mahomes, Patrick Mahomes. He has a long way to go. A long way to go. Before you can match the accolades of Brady. In my eyes, I can see Mahomes being more Peyton Manning. Puts up a lot of numbers, but over the entirety of his career, winning like Brady, that's really, really, really hard to do. Super hard to do. I mean, crazy. It is crazy, insane, deranged that he got let go. Uh, And they said he suffered the injury in his final season in New England, and it got worse 
over the course of his first year in Tampa Bay. He's playing injured. I don't know what else. Brady's the man. Like, he is the man. It's crazy. Now back to uh, NBA player. Uh, As a kid, I watched Space Jam, and I thought Space Jam was cool. I didn't know back in the day critics pant Space Jam, but apparently they were panting Space Jam. But as a kid, Space Jam was amazing. And the new Space Jam came out tonight. We have LeBron James taking the lead role in this instance. And personally, I don't know what to expect. Again, I mean, some of you don't know my opinions on LeBron James. I personally think he ruined basketball. But that will be a discussion for another time. Yes, I am a LeBron hater. The boy's good. But, huh? Huh? There's always, for me, there's always going to be something I'm going to look at and say, okay, I can't view it the same as me watching Kobe play. And people going to view me and say, I sound crazy. Kobe had some really bad teams. Kobe did have some really bad teams. Shout out to Kwame Brown. Shout out to that boy Kwame Brown. He's cutting it on the internet, you know, right now. Mama's cooking for everybody. Mama's cooking for everybody. Uh, he had so much Parker. And in those teams, when they didn't have Phil there, they did get, uh, I believe they got missed the playoffs one time and swept in another time. I would have to go fact check that and make sure. But long story short, getting back, wrapping it back around to LeBron James. He is going to be in the new Space Jam movie, and I plan on watching it tonight. I'm going to watch it later. But so far, there have been uh, reviews coming back about Space Jam. And let's see what they're saying. Space Jam, A New Legacy. Review. LeBron James' film is an abomination. Sheesh, that's a that's a little harsh, ain't it? You know? Uh... Are my expectations for the movie to be just as good as the original? No. Most remakes are not as good as the original. Unless it's a remake from so far back in yonder where nobody knows the original movie, then you can get away with it. But most remakes suck. We all know that. We all know that. Even, you know, part twos and threes of the movie... Ruin some movies Just cause you can make money off of it Doesn't mean it's a good thing uh, So I'm gonna get into reading a little bit Of this for y'all It says During the uh, endless Final sequence of Space Jam A new legacy <clears throat> Porky Pig Calls himself The notorious P.I.G Of begins to rap This pig is lit <laughs> I'm super legit. <laughs> the writer says, Porky should have added, and this movie is shit. <laughs> now, now, I haven't seen it yet, and again, I'm going to make sure I come back and give y'all a review, but a lot of these reviews have been really bad for the movie. Uh, I'm going to give, you know, LeBron, 
some benefit of the doubt that it wasn't just, you know, a cash grab or a way to take some shots at MJ's legacy to put himself on that same uh, pantheon or pedestal, however you want to say it. Uh, LeBron James' career is going to be a great career. He's one of the greatest players that ever touched the court. Do I think he'll be the greatest? No, because what I look for out of a player is not keep building super teams everywhere I go to keep winning. He's like, he's the remix of Charles Barkley. When Charles Barkley kept moving to places to go win, he didn't get the win because he was just not as good as LeBron. Not only that, he didn't have Michael Jordan to face again. When Mike got the winning, he was winning. LeBron, to me, is the waning version of Charles Barkley. He'll go to a place, they'll make a super team, and he can win from it. He can do what Charles Barkley never could, and that's get over the hump with those super teams that he went to go create. So that's my knock on him. Off the court. He's one of the most A1 solid individuals that I've ever heard of. I never met him personally, but from every story, he's one of the greatest individuals off the basketball court. But when it comes to on-court stuff as a Wizards fan, I'm never going to, you know, forgive him for keep eliminating my team when we should have been out there chasing them things with Gilbert. But, you know, you can't win them all. You can't win them all. And... LeBron's been trying to win them all with all the maneuvering he's doing. And he leaves teams in horrible positions when he leaves because they give him everything he wants. Now, as an organization, if I'm trying to win in the short run, I understand. But as an individual, if I feel like I'm the greatest player ever, the, the greatest player ever, if I'm going for that, I'm never leaving my team. If I win one championship in a place that has never won a championship in 50 years and I get one ring, that ring he won in Cleveland, I watched him do amazing things against Golden State. I will give him credit for that. But, again, look at how you got there. I'm not going to stay on that for LeBron because that's a whole other discussion about how I believe LeBron ruined the NBA. I'm going to dedicate a whole show for that. And I, I have my perfect counterpart to come in because I, I have a lot of LeBron James fans, and they're going to come in and defend him to infinity and beyond. And they're still going to lose the argument against me. <laughs> Sound a little cocky, but you know, I am. I am. Uh, In crazy news, dumb, dumb, dumb. I love me some King Von. I believe he's one hell of an artist. And I want to look at this from a different lens right now because I don't want to just focus on any black man being locked up. I want to look at it from a different aspect. I want to look at it from the aspect of how ass is the police? How ass do you have to be? To consistently have evidence proving that somebody who's potentially a murderer or mass murderer in our community, yes, 
I don't know how you want to look at it, but technically speaking, he was dropping bodies for the um. As we all wrapped along to he's we're not from 63rd. Again, shout out to King Von. Because I love his music, love his artistry. And again, since he's deceased, RP. I feel like we should have this conversation about how ass the Chicago Police Department really is. Because I don't know if y'all ever seen like Chicago scene, uh, like what is it, 88, something like that? Whatever that uh, YouTube page is. It's no way somebody should have the information about the guns used, how they called them, the position the people were shot and killed. They have every single detail about shootings and all of this. Meaning... Somewhere along the line, there's information presented that possibly gets leaked or however it gets out. But they know that there are individuals on the street committing these crimes and they just sit on their ass. And I'm not saying I wanted Vaughn locked up because he lived by the way that he lived. And I know hella people who live that way. You know what I'm saying? And I'm not wishing jail on them. You live by the sword, you die by the sword. That's always been what was told. I've heard Tupac tell people, I watched Tupac give hella messages and also die by the thug life that he presented. That's the way it is. I've seen plenty of people die from in the hood from living the way they want to live in the streets. But damn, Chicago police up. It, like, it amazes me how bad Chicago Police Department is that you can literally have a report leak stating that you knew for a certainty that King Von was the killer of somebody and you just sat on your ass about it. Again, I'm not wishing jail on no man. I've never been there to go do a long prison sentence, but I have friends who have, and I've talked to them about the life that comes with it and them being incarcerated. And boy, I wouldn't want that. Not only that, I wouldn't want to be... I hate being in a position where I have to rely on people. I like doing things and getting things done myself. Which is a detriment to me sometimes. But it's who I am. Uh, but back to the story. So we're here at the source. We're going to go ahead and slide on down. It says, King Von named in 2014 fatal shooting of Jakari Bonds. Jakaira? I believe it's Jakaira. They call her K.I. I don't know if you ever heard of K.I., but apparently what Snoop was for The Wire, she was in real life. She was a known shooter. She was young catching bodies, too. Chicago, they start really young catching bodies. Uh, she died at 17 years old. And for years previous to that, she was one of the most known shooters from the other side. From the 63rd side. As King Von would say, we're not from 63rd. But uh, no offense to 63rd, you know what I'm saying? I plan on going to Chicago someday, so don't. Shout out to everybody. Because that ain't none of my beef. <laughs> In reality. Uh... It says, for years, the Chicago Police Department has been investigating the death of 17-year-old Jakara K.I. Barnes, 
Bonds was a member of the Gangster Disciples before she was fatally shot nine times in Chicago. Although Bonds was a teenager, she already had made a, re a reputation for herself believing to have killed over a dozen people. She killed over 12 people and died at 17. So she was really, really active. So uh, we're going to continue down with the story. They got some ads right there. Y'all know. Uh, it says the CPD has now released new information regarding, the, uh, regarding this case. Naming the late rapper King Vaughn as Bond's killer. The documents shared that King Vaughn was a member of the Black Disciples and witnesses reported seeing the late rapper hoodie up before the alleged killing uh, Bonds, allegedly killing Bonds. Uh, an unknown male one wearing gray hoodie, blue jeans approached the victims. The unknown offender then uh, produced a handgun and bet, uh, began firing in the direction of the victim, striking all three. The unknown offender uh, then was observed entering an unknown vehicle, making good his escape. Uh, the documents read, Police state that the investigation revealed that the victim was killed by Davon Bennett, which is King Von's government name. Although King Von was named as the offender, police say there wasn't enough evidence to tie King Von, causing the rapper to be free on charges. So that's why he wasn't arrested. They said they didn't have evidence, and in our court system, you do need evidence. Just because somebody accuses you of anything doesn't mean it's facts. People make up bullshit all the time. And that hurts people when they try to come out and tell some truths that may not be that may be the truth, but it gets overlooked because people do spew a lot of bullshit. A lot of bullshit. But it's it's crazy that this report would come out. I don't even know why they would let this report come out now. To me, it just shows that Chicago Police Department is ass. Uh, you watch any of those little documentaries about some of the shit that goes on in Chicago, you'd be like, wow. And the fact that in a lot of the cases, the police department knows who's doing things. So they try to lock some of the people up on just random shit, which is fucked up. Really fucked up. You know, you can't just be out there trying to manufacture something to get somebody off the streets. You got to prove that they out here doing what they're doing. So they need to be out there doing some police work, some actual work, something, something. But I mean, my opinion, they've been ass. And it's hard to fix the police situation because nobody wants to do community policing. So, I mean, really fucking hard. Unless you're going to get some people from them neighborhoods to decide to put on the badge and uniform and know the people who's in the streets to try to come to some symbiotic cohesiveness agreement. It's too far gone, in my opinion. Like, it's, it's a hard thing to do. But Chicago Police Department, ass. Ass. Watch any... Fucking documentary or anything A lot of these police departments I ass Including The FBI We're gonna get to the FBI in a little bit Trust me Trust me Because they have been on some wild 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 shit But that ain't new That's their history We know their history Uh But while we're We're right there with King Von We might as well stay close to the King Von situation And uh, I don't know if you heard about the Lil Durk situation, but apparently him and his girlfriend got into a shootout with people who tried to break into his house. 
down in Georgia. Both of them picked up the straps and started busting, apparently. Uh, let me get to the story for you folks. We're right here at TMZ. The headline says, Lord Dirt, shoot out in his Georgia home. Suspects flee the scene. I'm going to scroll down for you. It says, Lord Dirt got a rude awakening. When some people busted into his home and exchanged gunfire with him and his girlfriend, according to uh, law enforcement. According to the Georgia Bureau of Investigation, the rapper and his girlfriend, Indian Cox, were the victims of a home invasion and aggravated assault this past Sunday, a little after 5 a.m. Law enforcement tells us several unidentified individuals entered Lord, uh, Lord Dirk's home in uh, the Chateau Alain neighborhood of Brazelton about an hour outside of Atlanta and a shootout ensued. The GBI says Dirk and India discharged their firearms, but they were not injured during the incident. It's, un uh, it's unclear exactly how many people allegedly entered the home, but cops are asking for tips from uh, the public in the case as part of the investigation. We reached out to the rapper's attorneys, Nicole uh, Mormon, who declined to comment. Crazy. I mean, crazy. They tried to break into his house, and rightfully so, him and his girlfriends defended themselves. You break into my shit, that's how it should be. You break into anybody's shit. Be prepared to get shot, and they, they will prepare. Yes, Lord Dirk's not supposed to have a gun. But I'm happy he did have a gun because it's better to read he catches a gun charge in this case than him being dead. Because that's what would have happened if he wasn't prepared for the situation. And the way that Luke Dirk's been raised and everything that's around him that's been happening. Of course, you would expect Lil Dirk to be prepared for the situation and he was. And his girlfriend was apparently prepared too because she got the gun and got the shooting as well. Crazy. It is crazy. They broke into that man's house. And apparently it's a really nice neighborhood, gated community and all that. So the fact they took the effort to try to break in there and do that. They took some effort. But you know, man, as they say, niggas. Niggas. They will, they will find an effort to do some, some shit. Anything that's not, you know, some positive shit. But man. Yeah, good thing Lil Dirk was prepared because, again, we would have been real on Lil Dirk shot. Possibly Lil Dirk dead. If he wasn't ready to defend his home, and they went an hour outside of Atlanta. So they took some effort probably. Uh, I mean, crazy situation. Uh, but like I was saying, we're just going to get to the FBI situation. I don't know if you guys ever heard about this case that happened earlier this year where they said that uh, the governor of Michigan was uh, the FBI has said they thwarted a plot to kidnap the governor of Michigan. But now as court documents come out, we find out that the FBI used more than 12 informants that try to get uh, what was it? Four guys. So the government used more confidential informants than they did actually having information. So the attorney's trying to argue that his clients were persuaded and entrapped into the charges that they received, which historically we know the FBI tries to persuade and entrap people 
to get people. Man, this is a crazy story. So I'm gonna go ahead and pull it up. We're right here on BuzzFeed News. And on BuzzFeed, the FBI allegedly used at least 12 informants in the Michigan kidnapping case. Defense attorneys say they will argue. The FBI induced or persuaded the defendants to go along with the violent scheme. Alright, down to the story. The government employed at least a dozen confidential informants to infiltrate groups of armed extremists who allegedly plotted to kidnap the governor of Michigan according to new filings in federal court on Monday. The filing made by one of five defendants in the federal case asks that the prosecutors be ordered to share more information about those informants, their relationship with the FBI, and the specific roles they played in building the case. It came among a blizzard of 15 new defense motions and high-profile case in the high-profile case, including requests to move into a different district to suppress evidence from a search warrant and to try at least one defendant separately from the others. So... Apparently, they're trying to explain that there's been misconduct along in this case and previous history from the FBI shown with terror groups. So, a lot of Muslim men were prosecuted early on when, after 9-11. The FBI helped manufacture a lot of cases to radicalize people and persuade them into participating into things that they would have never done. It's been shown time and time again that these are things that they participate in. These are things that usually take place in really poor neighborhoods. Because according to this case, even when they went to go view all the details, one of the informants told one of the uh, guys that it was going to cost four grand for uh, some explosives. Together, they didn't even have the four grand, apparently. So to say without FBI money, they would have been able to get this plot off and accomplish this plot is a little shady. It's a little shady. Could that be entrapment? Possibly. But we've seen with COINTELPRO, we've seen historically in a lot of other groups that FBI is down to do shady, manipulative, uh, just downright dirty tactics to get the end goal or the results they that they want. Even if it's manufacturing the, the results that they would want to have in those situations, it amazes me. That these things take place on the open. So back to the story. Taken together, the new court papers offered a glimpse of the involving defense strategy in the case, with several attorneys saying that the plan to argue that the FBI induced or persuaded the man to go along with the scheme. The alleged plot to kidnap Governor Gretchen Whitmore made international headlines last October when the uh, Department of Justice announced it had charged six mans in the kidnapping conspiracy. Five of the defendants, uh, Barry Croft, Adam Fox, Daniel Harris, Caleb Franks, and Brandon uh, Castro. I believe that's how you say his name. Casastra. We're not going to stay on semantics. Uh, have all pleaded not guilty and have been held without uh, bail since the arrest. A six, Ty Garbin, pleaded guilty and agreed to cooperate in the case in January. 
According to the Justice Department, the man met and trained over six month over a six month period in 2020, during which uh, time they developed a plan to kidnap Whitmer from her second home and possibly take her out of state, where she could be put on trial for being a tyrant. No plan was ever executed before authorities made the arrest. Uh, let me see. Let me see where we're gonna go. So I mean, uh, to infer from here, it's looking like they they help persuade these individuals to take actions to make it look like a conspiracy. Possibly speaking. Uh, so we're going to wait to find out more information from the defense attorneys because, again, this is looking a little crazy. Knowing the history of the FBI, this is crazy. You know, I believe they could possibly have some uh, other motives to portray a group of people in a certain light. That way they could, you know, create fear tactics and make people believe that other people are really trying to do things that they're not because in a lot of cases again historically we've seen people who've never had criminal records until they get involved with the FBI they don't even have traffic tickets until they get involved with the FBI so can we take everything they say for as fact it's impossible to take everything they say as fact because they don't live on a factual basis when it comes to public information. And that's with a lot of government agencies and the government just in general. They don't have to live on a fact-based reality when it comes to public information. And that's a detriment to us sometimes because it's easy to lie and manipulate the public to believe one thing when the truth is the opposite of what the public's perception is in that case. And that's what it's looking like here. But... It's your boy, DJ The Park Boy. This has been episode two of Life in My Eyes. Thank you for listening to the Lime Show. We're on the Next Step Network, and I'm out. Make sure you uh, like, subscribe, comment. I would really appreciate that. Uh, we have more content coming on the Next Step Network. They told me I can't announce nothing for, for reasons, but more things are coming here. Uh, again, I appreciate you listening. I love you guys listening. Shout out to the flosses. Uh, if you can go check out my project. I'ma make sure they link it down low. Uh, I don't know, man. I see you guys next time. I'm out.